This week on the pod, we get to know one of our World Cup winning silver ferns a little bit better. The farm girl from the south who's overcome seemingly insurmountable odds to make it to the top. Well, Jane, I tried to connect with you before this chat and you literally couldn't squeeze in 10, 15 minutes for a chat. That's how busy you are with your netball at the moment. We've gone from one extreme to the other, from, from lockdown to nothing to all on with netball, but I bet you're loving that. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's been a full-on morning, that's for sure. But um, I'm here now and I'm all yours. <laughs> so how did lockdown treat you? Because uh, no one really knew how to grasp with the concept of lockdown. But for an athlete where physicality is such a big thing, I can't even begin to imagine what a challenge that would have been. How did you cope with it? How was it for you? Yeah, I guess we were pretty lucky, like, because we can still train, we can still, um, you know, run outside, we had options of, you know, we got weights from our gym, we got, um, I even got a watt bike, so if it was raining, I could change that session. Um, Was that a good thing, getting the watt bike? (laughs) I don't know, I mean, yes and no, (laughs) to manage things, maybe yes, but yeah, that's still a killer, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But no, we managed and it was all right after all, yeah. And how did the team stay connected? Because that would have been another challenge as well, the physical side of it, but also keeping that kind of team unit together. Yeah, we definitely had a few Zoom catch-ups for our team meetings, but also had a couple of social events as well, which was quite nice. Um, And we had a few challenges. So, you know, we're keeping on target. So if you know, we were improving our passing or we had Broncos to do or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, we were still held accountable, which was really good. So I'm quite keen to hear about these Zoom challenges, Jane. What was that? I'm quite keen to hear about these Zoom challenges, the, the social side of it. Pray tell. Oh, no. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a few we um, catch-ups. Um, what did we do? We had a few quizzes, actually. Um, but nothing too, 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 too much to tell, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sensing what goes on tour here. <laughs> so yeah. let's go back to, to Cave, the tiny township just outside Pleasant Point near Timaru. Tell me about Cave. Yeah, well, it's kind of like what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> it's very small. There's not much there. Um, we yeah as soon as you pretty much drive over the bridge and down a little bit our farm was there um so my parents are farmers so I've grown up on a farm wow my whole kind of life until I went to boarding school anyway um but I loved it like it's where I learned to drive in a truck in a paddock like we went down to the river we'd have a wee swimming hole there it was just yeah it was such a cool upbringing um I absolutely loved it I'm a farm girl too, and I learned to drive on a Massey Ferguson with a dodgy clutch. But there's something about farm life, isn't there, that's yeah. that's so Kiwi and wholesome. What did you kind of take out of it as a kid? You couldn't compare it, obviously, to anything else. It's what you knew. But looking back now, how did that farm life kind of shape you as a kid? Oh, look, um, I think, you know, having my parents there as role models, seeing them, how hard they work, you know, it might be different than the way I work now, but I think just their work work ethic, you know, they're getting up when it's snowing, um, when it's raining, they've got to shift the brakes, they've got to do everything, no matter what happens. So, yeah, I've probably got it a lot easier than they did, but, um, yeah, I think it definitely does show you how much 
you know, people do work. Um, and I'm just grateful that I could have all the pets I wanted. I had a pet goat. I had a pet lamb. Um, I don't know. We had a number of dogs and I've got cats as well. So, yeah, very lucky. I can see one on your lap and I think there's one Thank crawling uh, illegally on the bench behind me. Um, I can see that. <laughs> what, what kind of farm was it, Jane? Um, sheep and beef. Yeah. yeah. What about yours? We had Angora goats, actually, oh. which was kind of very different for the time. Um, yeah. and, and high maintenance. They were all little divas. So they all had names and personalities. But, but again, great life. And yeah. I think farm life keeps the family really tight. Did you find that you became a really tight unit? I mean, what was your family set up? Brothers, sisters? Yeah, so I've got one older brother. To be honest, I'm pretty sure I was the more farm kid than him. <laughs> he loved hunting, um, but I was always the one to sort of go and help dad with the sheep or shearing or penning up or whatever. Um, but yeah, it definitely, you do have to work together as a team as well. Like mum's mum was working on the farm as well as, driving us everywhere and cooking dinners and doing all that so yeah it's a very it has to you know everyone has to do their bit for it to sort of work it also has its challenges too because I, I remember you know not being able to go into town to go to events because it was the big drive in did you face those challenges as well as a, as a kid and I guess on your sport too with sports practices yeah yes and no like to be honest mum was amazing um she definitely made the time for us to take us in you know even if it was half an hour away or however long um so we were very fortunate um they did a lot for us so yeah really really lucky and you, you swapped out country life for, for more country life you yes. went to miller's flat on the clutha river yeah paint us a picture of that it's actually a really nice little town. Um, and yeah, the Clutha River's um, there as well. I didn't actually, we didn't really go to the river that much. Um, we sort of had a farm that was backed onto a lake. So Lake Onslow, um, up the back of our farm was, I remember in the winter there was like, honestly, icicles this big. Um, hanging down from the banks because it was that cold um, but it was yeah it was cool it was a different experience again um, but definitely loved it. Brilliant I can just imagine that it's almost <laughs> like the old you know crinkly underfoot the frosty days in Hamilton. Yeah. We know you as as a netball defensive machine but there was a time when you described the sport that you love now and you lead in the defensive stakes as awful. <laughs> This is Talk true. us through that one. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I hated it, honestly. Um, I don't know why I hated it. I think it's just because I loved soccer so much. Um, so my brother played soccer and yeah, I don't even know why, but I started playing it and I just loved it. Um, I think I was wasn't too bad at it, and because of my size, like I was a bit taller. Um, even bigger than some of the boys and stuff. But, and I think because I was a farm girl, I just got stuck in. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until we moved to Miller's Flat that I actually had to play netball. Um, yeah, which is, it was weird because I didn't actually enjoy netball probably until about fifth form. Um, I was sort of just playing it, getting to know the girls that were when I moved to Miller's Flat. Um, yeah, so it's quite funny. Funny we do. So, so football was your first love. You really wanted to play yeah. football. Yeah, and I like not professionally. Like I just love playing it. Just getting stuck in, having a kick around. Yeah. 
do you still have a little um, place in your heart for footy? Um, oh, like not so much. Like I'd love to go watch games. Like we went to South America and we went to a football game. That was amazing. Um, like I love playing a little bit of hacky with the girls on the court just for fun, but nothing, nothing serious. So really this awful sport is one now that, that you're dominating and you love. You know, what's your earliest memory of playing? Um, I remember in Hamilton East, the, the, the freezing cold courts, and I borrowed a pair of my mum's stockings to put on because it was so freezing cold. Well, of course, they lasted till half time because I was dying of the heat. <laughs> what's your earliest memory of playing this awful sport that you kind of had to to get to know kids? Yeah, well, I remember playing at the Millislake courts. Um, it would have been like a wee tournament. But then we went to, um, it would have been Gore. We went to Gore and it was honestly snowing and icy and everything. And it was awful. Like, I don't know how they make people play in that weather. Like, actually, and they probably still do, to be honest. And I can't, yeah, it blows my mind. Just freezing, absolutely so freezing. Hitting the big time with Gore, Jane. You really peaked yeah. early. If, uh, you know, if, if anything's going to put you off netball, playing netball in the freezing cold and Gore probably would have done it. Um, yeah. You said you were tall. Um, did you get popped under the, the goal post as a shooter? Because that's generally what the tall kids do. Or, you know, being five foot eleven now, were you always going to be a defender? Yeah, I've always been a defender. I don't think I've ever been a very good shooter, to be honest. Not that I've ever tried that hard, but um, yeah, I always reckon I'd be all right at shooting, but no one ever agrees with me. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I'll just stick with being a defender, I think. You could almost slam dunk it probably, but now the heights of netballers these days, you're I know. probably just, you know, normal oh, height. I'm so just... short now. It's ridiculous. Are you deemed short as a defender, do you think? I reckon, well, medium to, sh yeah, maybe medium, but... I'm definitely short for a defender. Oh, you have to get on the stretching rack. I think you're yeah. doing right. Uh, you mentioned that you went to boarding school, Jane, um, St. Kevin's and Omaru. What was that experience like? Yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, I think some people think of boarding school and they hate it, but I don't know. It seemed to suit with me. I just sort of got on with whatever was happening there and went home for the holidays when I could and, yeah, no, I didn't actually mind it. It's a lot of people get very homesick or um, absolutely hate it, but I didn't. Yeah, it was all right. There were heaps of girls there. Like we loved, um, we had a really good like group, I think, which helped. Yeah. I think it really forces bonding and friendships and mm -hmm. perhaps helps with that, that team synergy, do you think? Because you're actually forced to get on and work with people that perhaps you wouldn't choose to be friends with. Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole range of people, that's for sure. Like in our year group, we're all different. Um, and I think it almost makes you grow up a little bit faster as well, because you've got to sort of look after yourself, even though you're getting taken care of. Um, but yeah, it's definitely different. Did you become a boss lady? Oh, I don't know about that. I was sort of just <laughs> in the background doing my own thing. <laughs> yeah. Hard to believe that um, one of our top netballers faced the reality as a young girl of perhaps never playing sport at all. Can you talk me through the early signs of how you realised you had a very serious health issue? Yeah, so um, I, yeah, I think it was in seventh form. Um, and I was sort of just, you know, I was doing what I was doing at school and then I all of a sudden would sort of get quite dizzy um, 
and almost black out, not quite, but um, yeah, really have to stop what I'm, I was doing and just, just take a moment. Um, and then this happened a number of times um, and I was sort of like, okay, talking to my mum, thinking this isn't quite right. Um, what's going on pretty much. Um, so yeah, they en ended up putting a wee like, it was like a box and it had like electrode thingies on it like that was connected to me. So I had to sort of monitor my heart um, and they ended up sort of tracking it and then found out that my heart was um, stopping at times for up to eight seconds. Um, so yeah, they had to sort of investigate a little bit further. <laughs> Actually stopping because, you know, as a teenage girl and you're growing and you go through all sorts of different things and as a mum, you know, you're trying to ride out what's serious and what's not. Mm. But you know, when your heart's stopping for seven or eight seconds, that's kind of next level worrisome. I mean, what, what was your kind of reaction with your mum, who I would imagine was beside herself when the, the specialist was saying, you've actually got a serious heart problem? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like mum and dad definitely didn't share as much with me. Like, I feel like they sort of not necessarily hid the emotion, but they were just putting on a brave face for me, I think, when I look at it now. Um, yeah. Did you understand the gravity of it, do you think? Uh, probably not as much as I should have. Or, you know, I think I just, I don't know. I'm a person who sort of goes with things as well and doesn't mind too much. And nothing really knocks me around too much. So it's sort of, um, yeah, it probably wasn't until I actually had to get a pacemaker that it sort of, kicked in and then yeah I remember we were driving home after I actually got it put in um this is when we were living in Miller's flat and over the um like the hills and the roads are just terrible roads and dad went over a bump and it was just so sore and I I was I just wanted to cry like I was so angry at dad because it was like his driving was terrible I was thinking but it was just obviously the road and it was just emotion and pain and it was just bloody annoying to be honest but um yeah I, I remember that vividly so we've gone from heart stopping for seven eight seconds the specialist saying this is major so the little girl from miller's flat is going in for heart surgery so can you just tell us about the process of getting a pacemaker what did you have to do what does it do for you what was the whole um purpose of this with with the end result being that you would be fit and healthy at the end of it because this is this is big time a pacemaker is something you imagine older people having yeah and that's what they said to me they were so surprised that someone my age was getting a pacemaker um they said you know it's all often an old people um and I think when I got it put in like you could still sort of feel it or see it because I'm not like a huge person so there wasn't too much fat to put it behind and hide it behind um so that was kind of weird, but I'd always sort of just feel it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I don't, I actually, to be honest, I can't remember the full process. Like I, I have a terrible memory myself. Um, but I just know that, yeah, I'm just like, it just kind of kicks your heart in when it sort of drops below however many seconds or yeah, whatever they said it to, I can't actually remember. Yeah. And did your health improve immediately? I mean, how did you, um, once you had your surgery and you, you growled your dad all the way home in the car and refused to drive with him anymore, um, did your health pick up? 
Yeah, um, like it took a while. Obviously, I couldn't do too many things um, for a start, but it definitely didn't hold me back at all. Um, I can't even remember how long I had off, to be honest. Um, it sort of just, yeah, life just carried on, recovery, recovery, um, a few checkups and things, and then I was just seemed to be back to normal. So it was just normal day-to-day, back to school eventually, and, you know, Jane, the kid with the pacemaker. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Were you a novelty at school? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't call it that. I was probably more just, I don't know, hiding it and didn't like it, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I had a, I've got a really big scar from it. And I think back when I actually got the pacemaker, I was really cautious of it because it was really large. And I think in the, um, the position that it was in, like moving it, so much it just sort of stretched it to be quite big um bigger than it should have been um yeah so I was very self-conscious at that point um of uh, were you setting off alarms in shops and airports oh no but bloody airports oh my gosh I couldn't go through those scanners um so I had to always go around the side put my hand on it say I've got a pacemaker blah 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 they couldn't do whatever um so yeah, I don't think I set off any shop things, but it was definitely those beepers or scanners. Um, oh, another thing, I couldn't actually, I wasn't allowed to do any welding, which is quite odd. <laughs> Shock me, the farm girl can weld as well. So you no, God, no. with the old welder. I can definitely <laughs> not weld, no, no, no. But that's one thing they told me and I always remember that and I was like, that is so random, yeah. I would have been requesting something like dishes, can't do dishes yeah. or vacuuming, but welding, that's okay. Was there any um, possibility that it could compromise you playing any sport, Jane? No, I don't think so, no. Not that I um, can remember. I think it was just more, um, this would enable me to continue what I was doing, but also just be safer. Like, I think too, like driving with that condition, like if I wasn't to get a pacemaker, it could be so, so dangerous um, if I was to sort of black out and not be in control. Yeah. So here's the twist. You no longer have it. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Hit us with the plot twist. You know, it, it wasn't obviously the only health issue that you faced. Mm. Can, you, can you explain how you, you go from a teenager with a pacemaker to now... Um, one of the fittest people and most dynamic and physical people I watch playing sport without one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I ended up actually going to Samoa and um, yeah, I, when I, when I came back from Samoa, there was, I guess it was like I had a sort of cold um, or I was sick or something. Um, And my mum sort of, you know, looked out for me, obviously gave me whatever. Um, And then, yeah, a few days later, it was kind of like, hold on a minute, I'm really deteriorating. Something's not quite right. So I, um, this is when we were living in Timaru now. Um, So I went to Timaru Hospital um, and they sort of put me in this wee, I guess, quarantine room. Um, And uh, they isolated me just making sure that I wasn't in contact with anyone just in case, because they didn't know what it was. Um, so I could only really see my mum because um, I'd been in contact with her, but everyone was sort of 
wear all their gowns and yeah, get all dressed up to come in and see me and things. Um, yeah, and I guess it wasn't till I went really downhill. Um, I was, I can't even remember, I was losing weight. Um, I couldn't really move that much. Um, yeah, they still didn't really know what was going on. Um, so they ended up taking me in an ambulance to Christchurch Hospital um, and ended up finding out that I had a, well, I don't know if it's a disease, but something called diphtheria, um, which is kind of like a respiratory condition um, that, yeah, I guess got in through my heart. So my pacemaker, the valves go and get fed into your heart. And so my heart valves and everything was infected and the lead going into my heart was infected. Um, so that's sort of the only way to get rid of the infection is to take out the foreign body. So they ended up removing my pacemaker. Um, and yeah, I guess my heart valves were still a little bit leaky, um, but the only way they could really cure anything, the diphtheria was to get rid of um, the pacemaker so the infection could go. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of um, almost traumatizing listening to it, Jane. I can't imagine what it would be for you and your family living through that. Mm. Has that tested your own mortality in any way? Has that been a game changer as far as the way you view life? Yeah, well, I guess the reason... Um, so we went to Samoa because my partner had actually just passed away at the time. Um, so I think with the emotion and me probably being quite run down as well. Um, yeah, I obviously contracted something while I was over there, but yeah, I don't know. With everything going on, it was definitely a massive, massive challenging time. Um, and I think that, yeah, that probably impacted I don't know, whether my recovery or made it happen, I don't know, yeah. Because the body's an amazing thing, but the brain also needs lots of love as well. And when you're emotionally um, drained and yeah. physically run down, it just makes it so much harder. How, yeah. how do you begin the recovery process when you're so physically low and emotionally spent? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely um, like I was pretty much in hospital for a few weeks, losing weight, like not having any energy. Um, like I couldn't walk, um, yeah, like nothing really. I remember my first trip out of hospital was with my mum and I feel like I, I'm pretty sure I pulled my calf muscle like walking to the car and we went and watched a movie together um, and that was massive for me. Like that was a huge day. <laughs> yeah, I remembered all I really wanted at one point was like McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, it's, it, was it sounds crazy. like... It sounds like you've crammed a lot into your years and it sounds like your your mum and your family are, are pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mum, yeah, mum was in hospital pretty much every day. Um, Dad was still on the farm, so came in when he could. Um, yeah, they were great. And I guess one of the things that would have helped is, is your netball, maybe give you a goal, a focus, and give you some purpose. And in that respect, maybe netball's been a two-way street. Yeah. Um, yeah, God, I can't even remember. Um, I guess afterwards, yes. But at the time, man, 
if I'm honest, there was nothing at the, that point in time. I was just sort of getting by day by day, seeing how I was going. Um, but definitely like I was playing for Lincoln Uni at the time and um, just those girls and the support that I did have from them as well was, was amazing. Um, and I just couldn't wait to get back out and actually play with them. Cause I don't, I don't normally, um, I guess, get injured or have to be sitting out of things. I'm always either on the bench or playing or involved somehow. So yeah, it was the challenge. So apart from your family, who did you lean on? Was it your, your teammates? Yeah, I think so. Um, and my flatmates as well. They were um, they were really, really uh, supportive and made it sort of fun for me as well. Um, yeah. I won't say what's the biggest lesson you learned from it, but what will be your most endearing memory from that and something that you will always hold close because you don't forget something that massive but there'll be aspects you probably will want to park up and not think about but what's something do you have daily reminders do you have anything that that haunts you in a good way about that emotional turmoil that you went through um I don't know that's really interesting um I think personally like I'm I don't have one thing um you know, I think just, it sort of just helped shape me, I think, as I am today. Um, and I think the way that I live or the way that I am as well um, with others or with my family, like I know we're, we're definitely way closer for it now. Um, but I think also it's about taking so many opportunities and being so, so grateful for what I have got. Um, because it can all be taken away so fast. So, yeah, it's just about being very grateful, I think, um, yeah, with what you do have. Well, you, your expertise goes well beyond just netball. You trained as a teacher? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have a new appreciation for teachers after lockdown. You realise this, don't you? <laughs> I know, I've heard. And I'm, a good friend of mine's actually, um, well, I've got to know a few teachers actually. And they're saying, yeah, the kids, oh, I mean, the parents will now know, you know, how good their kids are or, or not. <laughs> it's like packing groceries at the supermarket. Never again will I profess to know how it goes and, and a quick way of doing it. I just won't go there. But yeah. do, you, do you see... Um, was that another passion for you, teaching? Or was that just another path to support your netball? Where does teaching lie on the grand scale for Jane Watson? Yeah, like I loved teaching when I was doing it full time. Um, yeah, I especially lo loved teaching in the lower decile schools. Um, I really liked, you know, seeing the change in kids or getting to actually make a relationship with them so you can help them because they may not have um, like I guess a solid relationship outside of school um, or they might not have the support or anything like that so I really do enjoy uh, helping and and being there for people I think um, it got a lot harder when I was sort of away for netball and I couldn't commit uh, 100% to either um, so that's I guess when I decided to stop um, teaching for now and focus on my netball yeah. Do you think you'll make a return to that, to the classroom one day? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe some relieving to start off with. Um, yeah, and see how I go. 
Oh, relievers get a hard time. You don't want to be the reliever. You get kids playing tricks on you and all sorts. <laughs> well, actually, I've been a reliever and it's so funny. Like kids try and hide, hide their cell phones, but I think I'm a bit too switched on for them. So they, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty, I wouldn't say harsh, but I like to be fair. <laughs> We like that. We like that. So your teaching had to go and hold because of your netball. Tell me about when things got serious because you've played for different franchises, tactics, steel, tactics again. You know, when did you know that, you know, football was gone? I'm actually quite good at this netball business. And you started really bringing it on court and, and there started to be a lot of chat about you. Yeah, well, I went to Lincoln Uni and I had a netball scholarship there. Um, but that was kind of still... I guess a part of my life where I was like, I still don't know what I want to do. Um, and I did a bachelor of rec management in sport and then I did my teaching, but my focus I think was always on getting my degree um, at that point. Um, and it probably wasn't until, well, I was with the tactics for three years and then I was still like not happy, I guess, with my netball and neither were the tactics. Um, so that it's, I guess at that point where it was sort of a turning point for me when I went to the steel um, and really, I think flourished down there um, and enjoyed, you know, the girls were amazing. Um, the coaches I had down there were great as well. So yeah, I think it was towards the end of my steel season, I'd say that, or three seasons, I should say. Um, yeah, that it was really actually this could be okay. This, this might be something I'm going to do. This might be something. I mean, tactics was pretty tough, wasn't it? Because you had some pretty strong defenders that you had to push past. And going to the steel, were you going to get more game time, get more coverage as far as a player on court? Is that is that the motivation for the move? Um, well, not really, because I had to fight for my position down there because it was like me, Stormy, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there and Hoochie was down there as well, I think. Was she then? I, I think she was. Um, so it wasn't the fact that it was going to be any easier. I think I just needed a change. And yeah. I think that the opportunity came up um, that I just had to take it. Um, yeah. It was definitely not an easy decision. Um, and it was very nerve-wracking. Like, it was quite, yeah, scary changing, um, mm. changing clubs. Like, any changes, um, yeah. Who was coaching Steel down there at that time? um JB yeah Janine yeah 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 had Janine and then I had Knowles and then I had Curly so yeah oh, what, a, what a terrible terrible coaching lineup for you I mean yeah. you know when I said it's you know easier for you I didn't mean easier as far as the decision playing but you get to show what you've got far better when you're on court than when you're waiting to, you know you're on the bench and waiting to get to get mm. a start and I guess that was as good as so you could flourish and really bring it to court and show what you had to offer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I, mean, you, I, I guess it, it wasn't given though, because there was those other defenders. So some of there, us, yeah. bench and then I really had to put my best foot yeah. forward if I wanted to get that court time. Yeah. So you earned it. <laughs> you really earned it. Yeah. Well, I mm. think so. <laughs> yeah. So you've gravitated back to the tactics and with that has come captaincy. How has that sat with you? Because, you know, it's not for everybody being a captain. Some just want to focus on playing. Some can do yeah. the juggle. Some thrive leading the team. Where does it sit with you? 
Yeah, it's funny because in um, my first year with Back With The Tactics, um, Mitz sort of said, you know, um, if you want to be a, a captain or a leader, you have to apply. <laughs> what, like fill out a form? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you pretty much had to put in a CV boasting yourself oh. and why you should get it. Are you serious? Yeah, no, completely. And I didn't put one in because I didn't want to be it. <laughs> and she um, emailed me and she's like, are you going to fill in a form? I was like, no, I trust your judgment. I'm staying out of this. <laughs> um, so it's definitely not something that I would choose to really do. Um, yeah, it sort of just fell upon me um, after injuries happened with Jess and Zoe. So, yeah. <laughs> it obviously suits you though, Jane. And do you feel like that you, you're managing that juggle because you seem very in control with your play and with the calls when you're on court for the tactics? Yeah, I think, um, like, to be honest, if I was to tell you what I thought a leader would be, it's someone who doesn't really change who they are because of the the title that they're given, obviously. Um, and so that's, I think, what I've just tried to do. I've just tried to be myself, and I'm, I'm going to be honest regardless if I'm captain or not, um, and I'm going to speak my opinion when I think it's, you know, needed. Um, and I think teachings probably helped me in that respect of knowing when to say things or how to say things or how to, um, I guess, relate to different people because people are so, so different. Um, so that's probably just helped me. Um, yeah, I guess as, along with everything else that's just shaped who I am, um, I just try and, yeah, just try and be me. I guess that's why you want to do it old school. You wanted the coach to pick the, the captain. Yeah. You want to fill out a form, trust in the process, right? But clearly exactly. it's a skill that you have. And, and the, you know, there's even chatter in the ranks that long-term on a bigger picture that you've got captaincy qualities as well. How would that sit with you? As, as humbling as that would be to hear, how would that sit with you? Is that something that wouldn't frighten you? Um, I don't know if it would frighten me. I'd just have to see at the time. And obviously the coach would be a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And the players. Good answer. Good <laughs> answer. <laughs> so speaking of, of coaches and players, um, your netball journey with the Ferns, why Marama Tamonu spotted you and invited you to trial back in 2013. Is that kind of the where you had the next step up, the next rise? Um, well, not really, because I wasn't picked. <laughs> You did trial though. You you obviously caught their eye. Um, for someone like yeah. why to say we need to see this girl. We need to see more of her. Yeah, I guess I just wasn't ready. Um, like I probably wasn't consistent enough, or or my fitness wasn't enough as well. Like I've definitely improved in so many different ways, and I've still got a lot to improve on, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> Some people feel like they've made it when they get the trial low, Jane. You know, that's kind of like tick that box, I've uh -huh. made it. Yeah. So clearly you had higher desires, but she obviously saw something in you in that early time. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just, um, it, it sometimes is, you know, it is one or two people that, that give you that opportunity. Um, and I guess you, you need to take that with both hands. But obviously I wasn't ready. So, yeah, and I think I'm quite a person who has very high expectations of myself. So, yeah, if I don't get picked, that's all right. I'm just going to keep playing because I want to keep playing and get better for myself. 
yeah yeah playing for the enjoyment and the challenge rather yeah. than necessarily higher honors yeah. so 2013 you trialed you didn't make the cut but it was three years later i think 2016 that you you got the call yeah it was quite a, um i always seem to get pulled in because of injuries to be honest <laughs> i'd take that i'd be happy yeah, with that <laughs> i know and that's the thing though that's how some people just you know that just happens but um it was sort of um between jess molds and i we were in NZA and they were, um, we were playing England and, and um, oh my gosh, and Aussie and, and the Silver Ferns. And so we played them for sort of warm up games. Um, and then, yeah, we both got the call because Scar got injured. Um, so we and went- Scarlett, yeah, Anna Harrison. Yeah, sorry, yep. yeah. Um, so we had to go and trial well kind of pretty much trial just join their training um and sort of see what what happened really um so we were with them for a training and then that night we got told who was in and who wasn't <laughs> so yeah. how did it happen because everyone remembers the phone call yeah well yeah yeah they do but it's funny because it was obviously out of one of us um Oh no. And we no, well, it was fine because you we weren't were rooming friends. together, were you? <laughs> no, we were friends and we talked about it and we were both like, oh, I don't mind it if you get in. I don't mind if you get in, sort of thing. So Because <laughs> um, we were really enjoying, you know, playing in ZA and we were having a great time. So we were just loving our netball, which was um, which was quite funny. So yeah, we I yeah, we would have been happy either way, I think. <laughs> so who called you? Who phoned Sorry? you? Who phoned you? Um, it must have been JB. God, I can't even remember now. <laughs> Jane, this is supposed to be this big moment you tell your kids, I know, you your kids I about. Know. <laughs> I just think it's so different when you come for an injury because you're already sort of, oh yeah, it's just different. <laughs> yeah, you're not making the team because of people's injuries now though. It's a whole yeah. new ball game. You're a yeah. first cab off the rank. Um, so you debuted 2016 against England. Mm. Didn't quite go the Silver Ferns way. From memory, it was like a quite a drubbing um by 20 odd goals did, did that kind of take a little of the shine off or were you just happy to get out there and, and deliver your stuff yeah I to be honest I could not even remember the result of that game but I can remember playing because I I got given a highlights reel and I actually did okay so I was really happy with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd be happy with that too um yeah look it wasn't the result but things got turned around for for the ferns and you know you went on you had great years with the tactics i think 2018 you were the anz player of the year 2017 maybe um, so your, your netball was building yeah yeah what were you working on as a player to not be called into cover injury but to be a starter what were you doing actively to make that your spot um what was i doing gosh probably a bit of everything I definitely needed to get my fitness up um and I think being with the tactics and actually being um goal defense helps that a lot because when I play for Ferns I'm just goalkeep um and so yeah I think that definitely helps my fitness and game fitness um that's one main thing um what else gosh just everything to be honest <laughs> Yeah, you can't really, um, like after every game you review it and there's always something, if not 10 things that you need to work on. So it's just about, I guess, getting the experience and knowing and getting a little bit more smarter about your play as well. 
And I guess the roller coaster was continuing because the Commonwealth Games came up in 2018 and that was one cut that you didn't make. Yeah, Um, it definitely was. Um, I think, you know, that doesn't matter as much. Um, And that might seem really strange, but I'm always a very sort of, if you don't make it, it's okay because you've got plan B. And I always had a plan B, which was okay. So I had another focus. Um, And I think also I had my teaching if I needed. So it was actually, yeah, I sort of just go with it. It seemed like you were pretty relaxed about it. It wasn't kind of the end of the world for you, but you weren't giving up hope. You were just at peace with it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's always going to be disappointments with sport. And I think, like I said earlier, it's generally only one or two people that actually have that final say um, at that time, at that point in time. Um, so along comes someone else and I get another opportunity. So yeah, you just sort of take it when you can. And if you don't, you just keep going. With um, the Silver Ferns, we saw a change at the top level with the coach. Um, Janine Southby moved on. It was very public. It played out in the media. It was a very um, ground settling time, I'd imagine, for the players and the coaching staff and those appointing um, Nolene yeah. coming in. What was it like through that process where, where Janine was really under a lot of pressure and it was being played out quite publicly? Yeah, like, um, it's definitely a hard time. And especially, um, you know, obviously for Janine, um, because I've sort of, I guess, known her as a person and a coach previously anyway. So you have a good relationship um, with those people. And so it sort of has to separate from, I guess, what happens in the media. Um, I mean, I really felt for her. Um, it's never easy it's never going to be easy um, when something like that happens Um, but I mean I guess at the time that's just maybe what caused something that what oh my gosh I've just lost my tongue (laughs) maybe something that wasn't quite right for that time or those players um, in place and I think because we were quite young maybe we needed that more direction and just to be told um you know, from a coach's perspective, what we need. Um, but I think, you know, JB was trying to be a little bit more player-led, um, but maybe we weren't ready for that. And, I, yeah, I don't think we were. Yeah. Unsettling for the team, though, because obviously, as you say, you've got a relationship there. You're all human beings. You've all got feelings. Mm. But just um, just being a bit directionless, not from her point of view, but just as a group, knowing that probably change was imminent, was that really quite tough? Yeah, I think it was definitely unsettling, like no one was ever, um, or you just sort of didn't really know what was going on, and I think that didn't help the environment at the time. Um, Yeah, I think it's, you can definitely see the change in the unitedness um, between then and now, um, Mm. Mm. which, which, you know, sometimes happens, and that's what's got to happen for things to get better. And it's business, right? I mean, at the moment, that's what it is. It's business. And enter Nolene Todor. Describe uh, the vibe that Nolene brings because she's she's such a um, an effervescent, a learned person, a huge experience. No great surprise that she was named. But what was the vibe like in camp when when Knowles came onto the scene? Yeah, look, it was awesome. Um, And especially after having a wee taste with her at the steel. Um, Yeah, she's very, I just love the way she's 
I guess, very open, very honest, and you know where you stand with her. Um, she's not going to say anything if she doesn't want to say anything. She's not going to have a meeting for the sake of it. Um, yeah, she just doesn't muck around, to be honest. Um, she's very straight to the point, which I love. Um, she's not only that, but I guess she's caring. Um, she actually wants to know how you are. Um, she wants to know how your family are, um, what's happening at home, um, and actually care for your well-being as well as your netball. So, yeah, definitely a massive, massive person, that's for sure. Or you say that she's she's straight up, but tell me about the way she she reveals team selections. Is there any truth that she writes it up on the whiteboard? Yep, that's happened before, definitely. How does she do it? <laughs> tell us. This is fascinating. Um, yeah, sometimes uh, it depends. Like sometimes she'll just have a lineup um, for each quarter, so you'll know your first, second, third, and fourth quarter um, before the games begun, and you just go on, no changes. I mean, just change into whatever you've written up on the board. Um, or you just get told this is a starting lineup, changes will be made, just be ready sort of thing. Um, yeah, I guess it, it doesn't really matter. You can, I guess you can kind of tell it trains anyway, um, as in for a starting lineup, if, if you're going to be in the line or not. Um, but I mean, it doesn't matter. You've got to be prepared regardless. So, yeah. The whiteboard, that's next level 2020. I'd be waiting to see if it's a red pen she's pulling out or a black <laughs> pen or there must be some colour coding going on with Nolene, I'm sure of it. Um, we've talked about, you know, Nolene and bringing a new energy and a new vibe. What about when there's a change in the team? Because we saw Katrina Rore, who was a captain, who was a defender, you wanted one of your positions, you know. We saw her on the outer and fight to come back in. You know, what a testament to her and her grit and determination. But how does that affect the camp inside when you have someone that's senior who's who's moved sideways and you're also in that position? What does that do internally? I think it's actually really healthy. Um, it shows that Noel's actually has balls to do those things that some people can't. Um, regardless of if you've been around one year, no years or 10 years um you shouldn't be really treated any different if you deserve to be out on court then you deserve to be out on court but if you're not performing then you need to work harder for that and you need to earn your spot it's a national team and everybody wants to be where you are so you can't just get it handed on a plate um so I really respect her for that and I think it's yeah like Paul did an amazing job and she's come back even fitter faster and everything um so yeah hats off to her she's done amazing amazingly well and it must be inspirational to the rest of the team to see that that she she dug in and make you all know that you'll be in for the same kind of treatment and to to keep you all in check really mm, exactly and it makes it so um competitive I think between the team as well like you have to fight for your spot if you want to be out on court um which is yeah it's really healthy and it's really I think that's just what makes us better as a team and that's the only way that's going to keep us going, really. How good. Uh, you know, we saw the Silver Ferns. You had just such a tough year or two. You couldn't buy a win. It was just not going your way. The fans didn't know what was wrong. Um, change was needed. Change came. But it was World Cup year, you know, and against the odds, this little team that could turned up with big hearts and pulled off what we thought was the absolute impossible. 
Can you tell us what the vibe was going into the World Cup, knowing that you didn't have the best lead up uh, against Aussie? Um, what was it like with the team? How united were you? And what was the belief like when you actually got to the UK and you knew this was business time? Yeah, look, I think it was actually um, awesome because we were so united and we had so much belief between us um that we actually could do it and I think our lead up actually was what had helped us as well so we had that Sunshine Coast camp we had the Cadbury series then we went um I think straight away to the university and had sort of a, a week or so there before we actually went to World Cup and so each of those times you just grow and connect together especially playing different opposition um because it's quite funny like in the January um, before World Cup like that was the first time I'd ever played with Casey and you have to turn up um, you do testing and you fly out the next day then like two days later you're playing um, whereas this time because we had that time together um, it definitely helps like it, it just you go through the grind together you're actually all on the same page and you get to have that court time and I think those games like together that you actually get to learn each other's how they move how they work um, and I think that definitely helped us going into World Cup. That, that's just crazy to me that, you you know, you hadn't played against Casey. I mean, Casey had been around for such a long time. She'd obviously retired. She came back. But it's just a bizarre concept to think that you, who really were entrenched as one of our leading defenders, hadn't played with Casey. I mean, what was that like for you? You must have thought, I've got a safe pair of hands here. We're all good. Yeah, it's quite funny because we're quite, we actually got on like quite well so we're quite similar people and we actually play sort of similar as well so we could yeah I guess we fed off each other really easily and we could work our structure quite well because we were so similar um I think in a way yeah and you guys played the men what was that like in the lead up to the world cup what a, what a great couple of games yeah it was fantastic um and playing yeah man Junior was just so massive. Um, it was just an awesome challenge. And I think that brought the fun back as well because we obviously weren't going to get every ball, but you just have to try so many different things. Um, yeah, I absolutely love playing the men. They're just stunning. They're so athletic. They can jump so high. They pass the ball so bloody fast. Um, yeah, honestly, incredible. So love we're a, bit, we're a bit surprised that there was some negative press about playing the men, that there was worried there could be injuries and... I was quite surprised because I thought not only is it great for the men, but this is great for our women to have, you know, probably the next best thing to a cross between Aussie and Jamaica coming at you yeah. at once. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be mad, bad media, um, let's be honest. Um, but I think, yeah, it definitely was amazing for us. And I think we couldn't have had any better prep. Okay. So we got to the World Cup and the last preliminary match was against Australia where we lost by one. And I was sitting at home watching that, texting my mates through the night, thinking, we have this. You know, to, to show the skill level against a very hungry Australia and to only go down by one, I knew you were good for it. Did the team again then think, okay, we've only got one more hurdle, we've got one more step to go? Yeah, I think um, it was sort of like our warm-up game, to be honest. Um, we needed, I think, to play a structured team again. And so I'm glad we got to play them before our semi-final against England. Um, and let's be honest, if we didn't play England um, 
and we went to straight playing Australia. I don't think we could have really called ourselves world champions. Um, so I'm glad we've played, we got to play them. Um, yeah, and to be honest, I did have belief in our team. Like there was so much confidence, I think, between us. Um, and there was that bond of knowing or feeling in control, I think, um, throughout those next two games. And I think utter belief in your coach as well, because what impressed me was Noling Totoa's ability to make the changes at the right time. You know, quite often a coach will just stick with a starting seven mm -hmm. and they're the best, but there's so much more to that. And everything seemed to click. So you, you beat Aussie in the last prelim match, you beat England in the semi, and it was a big match up in the final. You didn't lose this one by one. You beat the Aussies by one. And you had to work for every single goal, but you did it. And your team earned it. Yeah. And I think what was key also is that, um, you know, throughout the World Cup, it actually was such a team effort. Um, like every game, I'm pretty sure they sat down and worked out how many quarters everybody could play so that we were actually fresh by the time we came to finals. Um, so, yeah, the thought process, I think, and the planning behind everything was massive. Um, and, yeah, the way Knowles did orchestrate every change and the way she reads the game, I think, is just second to none. Yeah. And so when you got home, world champions, did, did life change or alter or did you find you were getting a few more invites to things? I mean, what does being a world champion, Silver Fern, mean to a player? What does it, how does it change you? Does it change you? Yeah, I don't know if it changes you. It definitely, um, I guess, makes you more public, publicly known, um, which is good and bad at the same time. Um, it's funny because after World Cup, we had a, a couple of weeks off or whatever, and it was actually really strange um, because I didn't have anything to do and I had nothing to, to achieve anymore, sort of. It was <laughs> like, oh, I finished, now what? Um, so, yeah, it was really odd and I found it quite hard actually keeping up the motivation to even train or... Yeah, there was just no routine and I'd sort of lost the plot for a bit. <laughs> a little yeah. bit lost without your, your netball kind of uh, family. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really strange. <laughs> so netball's in such a great space. Uh, we, we've had COVID. That's put the brakes and the anchors on everything. But we're back great guns. You know, the, the, the Silver Ferns dominated the Halberg Awards. You've been lauded. There's a lot of chat about netball. And do you feel it's in a really positive space at the moment in this country and, and globally? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, like, I know the England competition has been cancelled for this season. Um, so I just know how fortunate we are and Australia are as well to actually be playing. Um, I think there is so much hype that's actually just built um, and sort of now is just the normal, I think, around netball. It's got that wee spark and there's that enjoyment um, in it. And I think that competitiveness, especially between, you know, in the ANZ Premiership, there's so much competition. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. And hopefully it can just continue. So will you be encouraging all the... Uh little 11-year-olds from, from Cave and, and Pleasant Point to maybe give away the football and pick up a netball? Uh, I wouldn't make them. If they want to play football, I'd say go for it. <laughs> but no, definitely just play so many sports when you're young. Honestly, that's the way to go. 
Yeah, something special about being a team, isn't there? I think that every kid should play in a team, no matter what. It doesn't matter whether it's marbles or petonk or basketball, but I think there's something really special and, and um, just soul building about yeah. being with your brothers or your sisters and, and going for the same goal. What does life look like for Jane Watson after netball? Can you even see that far ahead or are you very much in the now? I'm very much in the now right now. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows, to be honest. Hopefully have a family one day. Um, but yeah, for now, I'll just focus on netball and sort of, I don't really plan to too far apart, uh, in front, to be honest. Um, so let's just see this year out and then get on with the next. And as far as short term as the ANZ Premiership goes, um, you know, it's a shortened competition. It's going to be dynamic. What are your hopes? Because um, we're, we're underway. There's a few weeks to go, but what's your, your goal for the competition? The goal for the competition is for the tactics to take it out. And we need to really step up and be consistent. And I think we can definitely do it. Well, I know they've got a damn good captain. So um, <laughs> best of luck for that. Now, Jane, I want to, um, because you've been an, you know, a teacher and you know what tricks kids get up to and you're hanging out with with lots of fun girls. I want to have a little quick chat on some of your teammates, just briefly. And, and, you know, we don't need to tell lies about them. We don't need to, like, name too many names, but I want you to name names. Uh, I want you to tell me who is, who's the hardest worker on court for training? Oh, who would you say out of everybody really puts the mahi in? I'd say Camille Poi. Right, okay. Who would be the team comedian? <laughs> comedian. Um, who's always got something smart to say? Uh, I'd say Jess Prosser. Right. <laughs> what about the person uh, you'd least likely want to room with? Ellie Bird. She snores. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's nothing to do with mess. It's the buzzsaw going through yeah. the night. Okay, I can I can relate to that. Um, who's most likely to uh, smuggle contraband into camp? Oh. It could be lollies. I'm not talking about anything top shelf. It could be lollies. Okay, lollies, I'd say me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the worst sweet tooth. <laughs> really? Are you yeah. sweet, not savory? Yeah. Um, what about the person you would never give the keys to the van to? Oh, oh. Maybe Tapaya, to be honest. She'd get too distracted. Be Rickett? Yeah. Too much talk? Yeah, she'd get too distracted and she'd forget <laughs> where she was going. <laughs> we don't want that as long as she knows where she's going on court and <laughs> the best netballer of all time who do you think is right up there in the states oh, right through the generations of the netballer you think is up there i'll just stick with um this generation um right. of the now and i'm gonna go on oh, no i don't know yeah okay i'm just gonna go with casey copor when you played alongside her, you know her well and you know yeah. her skill set. And she's, yeah, she's pretty incredible, isn't she? Pretty yeah. tough customer. Well, we think you're up there too. And Jane Watson, thank you so much for sharing your time and your stories and letting us get to know you a little bit better. Mm -hmm. All the best for the tactics and for your future with the Silver Ferns ahead. We wish you the best of luck. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast.